As promised, Steve Mariucci, one of my all-time favorites from NFL Network. Not you only promised, I, now who, do you, who did you promise, Ellie? I promised everybody. I promised everybody <laughs> that Steve Mariucci was coming up next. We wow. had MJD last week. It was just the two of us. Normally, we have a guest. And uh, now it's Mooch. And I believe I'm trying to – okay, I'm going back to the coaches who I've had on the podcast. Mm. And so far, we've had McVay. We've had Vrabel. And now Mooch. That's wow. a pretty good, pretty good trio. Three Stooges. Yep, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you real quick about some of these pro days. Um, last week, we saw uh, quarterbacks go out there and really impress. Justin Fields showed off the arm. He was super fast. Uh, Trey Lance had his pro day a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Zach Wilson, obviously. How important when you're evaluating quarterbacks specifically were pro days to you as a head coach? So let me get, let me go back in time. Um, they're always important this year, more important because there was no combine, right? Right. So <clears throat> the pro days, especially for quarterbacks are very well choreographed. I remember I was actually literally hired to go and do Steve McNair's pro day back in the day. Really? Oh, it was big because he ended up to be a third pick and, uh, played at a small school, Alcorn and, State. Yeah, and and uh, so we were on campus, and and um, his agent actually asked asked me to to run the pro day. Um, you know, there were there were no John Becks or Jordan Palmers. Then you know, I was a quarterback coach of the Packers, and <clears throat> I sent him film of hey, this is what we're these are the drills we're going to do. Practice these drills. Um, what other things do you want to showcase? Because uh, every head coach, every GM, everybody was there, right? Uh, quarterback coaches, you name it, the media. It was a big day. And so we did the things that, that we knew he would do well. And then, and you know, stay away a little bit from things that he may not have had as much experience playing. So know this, these pro days with these quarterbacks – are very, very uh, intelligently choreographed, all right? Uh, they've got the receivers that typically have been working out with these guys. They run the slants, they run the go, they run the comebacks, they get the movements and, you know, all those sort of things. And uh, we've had great pro day workouts by these quarterbacks. I mean, the ball hardly hits the ground. And that's the way it should be. Right. And, and it, like yesterday or two days ago, Kyle Trask, uh, right, over at Florida, you know, and he's not going to be a first round quarterback, but I did a whiteboard thing with him, you know, last week, good kid, big guy, pocket guy, but he needed to show that he could move a little bit, you know, because he plays from the pocket at Florida and these other guys are probably more athletic than he is. So he, he, they needed to show his skills in terms of throwing from the run and moving a little bit and see what kind of quick twitch he has at six, five, two forty. So uh, while pro days are very important, um, you know, you still go back to the tape and see, uh, see how he plays the game under pressure and under duress and those things. Which one of the guys not named Trevor Lawrence do you like the best? Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, yeah. Trey Lance, oh, Justin yeah. Fields. Which, which one of those guys? Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Really? Yeah, yeah. I like all these guys. Uh, <clears throat> Justin Fields has had some spectacular days and moments and games. And, and then every now and then he'll remind you that he needs work. Um, Trey Lance is, uh, is a guy that played at a small college, North Dakota State. I used to play against North Dakota State at Northern Michigan University. All right. That was a rival. Anyway, um, you know, he didn't play last year and he didn't throw a pick the year before, but the, the caliber of competition is not the SEC. Right. So he's going to need to learn and grow a little bit. Um, Mac Jones played uh, on the biggest stages, you know, and played very, very well. It's going to be interesting, but, but if you just had to ask me, you know, other than Trevor Lawrence, who would, am I leaning towards without sitting down and having lunch and spending a day and all that with all of those guys, uh, it would be Zach Wilson from BYU. He was like, Whoa, this kid has got, he's got it. You know, he can make all the throws off balance, which seems to be a little bit more of the trend right now. Yeah, well, and it seems like that's kind of the consensus number two pick or number two quarterback, Zach Wilson. 
Um, you know, not the biggest guy does have a big arm can make ridiculous throws. Durability might be a little bit of an issue. He had shoulder surgery after his freshman year. I find it interesting, Mooch, when you say without being able to sit down with these guys, which is something that, that <laughs> Urban Meyer said during the free agent process that was really yeah. frustrating for him, right? As yeah. a first-time NFL head coach was having to sign these guys to these big contracts with not being able to bring them in and share a meal, or maybe have a beer with them and, and just talk about uh, <laughs> what they believe in and learn more about them, their personality. If you had to just give a percentage Right. In terms of how important that was to you as a head coach, getting to know somebody, the person that is it 10 percent? Is it 25 percent of what has the ability to make them a better player in terms of you getting to know them and, and, and know them before you draft them? Higher than 25 percent. Really? Yeah. Um, when I was in Green Bay coaching Favre, we ended up we ended up drafting Mark Brunel. Um and I flew out to Washington to work, not only work him out for an hour, but that would, and then, but, but go to lunch and go to talk to his coaches, defensive coaches, the trainer, the equipment guy, the secretary. Hey, how's Burnell? Is he a, is he a goof or is he a polite guy? I mean, you, you dig deep. Right. Um, you, you, you go, you go to lunch and see if they know how to use a knife or a fork. I mean, I, I mean, you just, there's a lot of things that you try to, especially at that position, Elliot, and the quarterback is the face and the voice of the organization. You don't want a rockhead, you know, you want a guy that represents himself and his family and his team and his city well. And so I worked out Ty Dittmer. I went to BYU and here's Ty Dittmer. He was a Heisman Trophy guy, right? But he was not, not going to get drafted high because he wasn't real big and all of that. Threw for 8 million touchdowns, but spent the whole darn day with him because I wanted to know if he'd fit in and, and uh, if I could get along with him. I had Ty Dittmer at Green Bay, San Francisco, and Detroit. I mean, this guy this guy is one of my all-time favorites. And it's because of his personality and his the man that these guys are. It's important. Yeah, if, if the guy's a great player, but he's a kind of a rough around the edges, sometimes you, you shy away from that. Um, I promised you there would only be a couple of uh, current events questions. So we have made it through the current event portion of the helipod, Mooch, and I think you did it with flying colors. I know you're, you're, just, you're just dipping your toes into these, these guys as you're studying them to get prepared for the draft. You got, we're essentially a little, little under a month away now. Do you feel like you know them all pretty well, though, for the most no, part? No no, 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 no. I mean, just before we got on, I was going through the offensive line and, you know, watching film on each guy and back to back to back to back just to kind of compare them. And and as an analyst, as a TV person, all you can do is watch film. All you can do is watch, listen to analysts say what they think from watching film. And so as a coach, you really – I was accustomed to same when college recruiting, when you recruit high school guys, you go dig deeper and get to know the kid with, you know, during contact periods, same with, uh, with the pro guys, you prefer to bring them in. You prefer to go work them out personally and get to know them as, as a human being. Um, because it's, uh, it's a quite a commitment to offer a, a long-term contract for a lot of money because you're I don't want to say you're stuck with them, but you, but you are, you are, you're not married forever. You're dating long-term. I mean, it's a commitment, man. I mean, especially in that first, second round, you got to decide who you're going to give a chunk of money to and commit to instead of somebody else. So getting to know these kids is what I really miss. I, I really miss that because uh, as analysts, we don't, we don't get to do that quite often. Well, you, uh, you spent 29 years doing that. That's how long your coaching career spanned. Uh, the USFL, college, and the NFL, nine years as an NFL head coach, uh, Mooch. One year as the head coach at Cal, 1996, you led them to the Aloha Bowl. Um, and I was initially, I was going to talk a little bit about your playing career. You're a quarterback at Northern Michigan. You were a three-time All-American and a national champion. And I was just going to throw that in there and kind of gloss over it. Uh, you know, you had a cup of coffee in the CFL, but then I dig a little deeper and I find out that there's this documentary that's been made about the 1975 season at Northern Michigan. You guys went from winless in 74 
to national champs in 75, you were the quarterback. And in the spring of 75, you were the fifth stringer. A couple of injuries and other things happened. And you ended up being the starter. This is one of the greatest stories never told. It's like Rudy. Yep. Unbelievable. So listen to me. Helly, you did some research, man. What'd you do? Look, look at Wikipedia or what? But anyway, so, so, you know, we, yeah, we were over in 1974 and at Northern, the Northern Michigan University. <clears throat> and the next year we won the national championship. You're going to say, investigate them. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we, um, so we start doing some research about it and learned that it's never been done before in football. Oh, it's never been done in any level in football. It's never been done in any other sport. Wow. Pro, college, NAIA, it's girls, boys, nothing. It's never been done. We're talking about a movie here. And so we had even, hey, Rich Eisen even did the uh, narrated, you know. He I, I saw that. And by the way, Kurt Warner has his own movie coming out on the big screen. This needs to go from documentary to movie. Well, no. they're kind of working on that right now. They okay. Really In fact, uh, we, we had another Zoom meeting last night about it. Um, we had some of the guys on from Western Kentucky who we beat in the championship game. Uh, on our Zoom call, just to kind of reminisce from 46 years ago. You were in wow. Valley, but uh, it's pretty special. And uh, seems to me it should be in the College Hall of Fame. But I guess they don't do teams; they just do individuals. Is that uh, right? Quite a story from rags to riches, I guess. Thanks for bringing that up. Nobody knows about that except you and I and Rich. Well, I think that's really cool. Um, the name of the uh, documentary, which already has won a couple of awards, is "Put Your Hand on the Line." It's about the 1975 team and. <laughs> I was born in May of 75. So I think I was technically alive. Were you watching? Uh, I was in the Philippines. And I don't think we had the Division II National Championship game on in the Manila Hospital in the Philippines. My parents are in the Peace Corps, Mooch. So, <laughs> so uh, cool story from your playing days. And by the way, Northern Michigan now kind of rivaling Miami of Ohio as the cradle of coaches these days, right? Mm-hmm. Miami of Ohio has had these legendary coaches like Bo Schembechler and Woody Hayes, Hayes. And Harbaugh, yeah. Sean McVay, uh, Paul Brown was there. Uh, but how about Northern Michigan? You and Izzo, of course, great friends. We'll get into that later, growing up together, playing there. Jerry Glanville was there. Matt LaFleur coached there. And now Robert Sala played there. So that's a pretty Lloyd. good list. Lloyd Carr. Lloyd Carr. I forgot there. about I didn't know Lloyd Carr. Okay. He played there. He was a quarterback. And, and Stan Albeck, the basketball coach, was great college and, and coaching the pros for a long time. Um, yeah, so there's a cradle over there, right? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So you you go from that unbelievable career at Northern Michigan. Like I said, you, you had a, a cup of coffee in the CFL. Hey, hey, two weeks. Two weeks. You know, we have on game day morning, we have players only segments. And I just want to crash that segment because I played two <laughs> weeks in Canada. I played two weeks for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. <laughs> you qualify, baby. You qualify. So after two weeks, you come back to Northern Michigan and, and you start your coaching career or you're coaching some of the guys that you played with then. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I actually started my coaching career as soon as the season was over with. And, and cause I, I was offered a job to coach there after I, you know, got done with my senior year. But I said, you know, I, I want to coach. I, you know, my dad was a coach and all that. He was a wrestling coach, boxing coach. But anyway, um, I said, if I get a shot, if I get drafted, if I get a chance to play pro football, I really want to do that. So they said, okay, fine. You can coach until that opportunity arises and then you don't make it. We'll see you right back here. So luckily uh, they had a job waiting for me after I tried out for the uh, Hamilton Tiger. I could have gone to the, I could have gone to the Cleveland Browns, Sam Ritigliano, you know what? Cause he was Italian guy. He probably wanted me on his team. I don't know, but he, you know, I would have been a, free agent. I wasn't going to get drafted in the NFL. So I had a chance to sign with the CFL and I took it and I got cut. You got cut after two weeks, you start your coaching career. And that was the beginning of what we know of Mooch as a coach at launch. You went to a couple other colleges and then you get your first pro job with the Orlando Renegades in the USFL in 1985. And, And you were, you were also working was it as a, as a quality control coach for the Rams as well during so, that time period? So here's what happened. Um, 
I left University of Louisville. Um, well, we got fired. Um, so, and then brought in Howard Schnellenberger, who actually just passed away. He uh, did. I, I remember I was there when he started his program at FAU, one of the legends. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he asked me to stay with him. I was on the previous staff and I had a chance to go instead to the Orlando Renegades in the USFL with Lee Corso. So I chose to do that uh, to get my feet wet with pros, right? So move my, uh, my wife and five month, five week old baby down to Orlando and the USFL was awesome, man. I'm not kidding. That was Steve Young and Herschel Walker and Reggie White. I mean, there was great players everywhere. And, and, uh, we played in the spring. I'm, I don't know if you remember it or not. Yeah, absolutely. But, but, uh, it was a very, very interesting and talented football. A lot of the owners, Donald Trump was one of the owners for the New Jersey generals. And, um, Maurice Carthon, Doug Flutie, and they had a heck of a team too. And Steve Spurrier was a coach and on and on. Uh, but Lee Corso asked me to come down with him. And the league played three years in the spring and said, hey, we're a good, we're a good league. We have a lot of good players. We got a lot of money to, play, to take these players away from the NFL. Let's move to the fall. Big mistake because we just couldn't compete, uh, couldn't get a TV contract pro properly. And, and uh, you know, it, it ended up folding, and I was part of that. So that's when I went to other schools. So USFL folds. You go back. You spend some time at Cal. Hang on. Skip some spots there. I, I did. Because what, what, when I went to – when I went – when the league folded, what are you going to do, right? So right. I, I didn't want to sit around. The league didn't fold right away. The league was going to go from the spring look – at, look at your calendar. From the spring – skip the fall and play the next fall. So okay. I was going to like wait around for a year to coach. So I went out to the Los Angeles Rams with John uh, Robinson, Robinson and I, and asked him if I could be a quality control coach. I might've been the first quality control coach in the, in the, in the uh, pros. Cause I got paid nothing. They paid me lunch. I, ate, I had lunch and, and, uh, and it was 85 it was with Eric Dickerson and, and it was, a, we, we got beat by the 85 bears in the NFC championship game. We had a very good team. So I got my feet wet in the NFL for nothing, for nothing. You know, I, I uh, moved my wife back to LA. We lived with her folks and we had a baby and one on the way and I worked for nothing. Why? Just to get some NFL experience. Sometimes you got to do that, Ellie. Sometimes I, you hey, gotta, Mooch, I get it. And, and by the way, you're 30 years old at the time. Right? I'm a kid. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So that, that wasn't going to be permanent. I had to find work. Well, well, then I got offered a job at USC, um, <clears throat> Southern Cal, not South Carolina, Southern Cal. And, and I had to make a decision. Do I take this job right now with USC and Ted Tolner, or do I wait for the USFL to kick back up? Right. Well, I took the job at SC and I swear about two weeks later, the USL, USFL folded. So I was lucky to, to have that opportunity and I took it. Um, but, it, you know, I, I was only there a year at SC. I would move my wife 18 times. You know, she just came in here and wants me to clean the garage out again. But I, moved, I owe her because I moved her 18 times, Allie, and she's still here. Can you believe that? <laughs> You know, it seems so glamorous, the life of a coach. And it's always interesting to me when we talk to all the, all the former players that uh, we've worked with at NFL Network and the guys who – some guys are built to be coaches and some guys aren't. And I think the, the players, so many of whom you have coached, see the hours that you guys put in. And especially if they were lucky enough to have played long enough and made enough money where they don't have to coach, some guys just don't want to do it. Not everybody's it's built a, for that. It's a change. So going from a player – with their schedule to a coach with their schedule is for less pay, obviously. Yeah. Um, is, 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 is shocking. And so that's why, you know, you see Deion Sanders and I'm rooting for that guy, man. Oh, um, over there at Jackson state. And uh, you know, he's uh, he's learning now. I mean, obviously one of the great athletes ever. Um, he's learning now the hours that's required for coaching and recruiting and, and, uh, Whew, you name it. Um, but I, there's a lot of former players that have become very good coaches. And I had many on our staffs too. And Tom Rathman just retired. Um, 
but uh, they they get it, but they've got to be willing to 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 work their butts off for twice as three times as many hours, right? Um, with less pay, and many of them are very good and, and willing to work and and willing to move. And I think one of the yeah, you're a nomad. You got it. Yeah. When you sign up to coach, you know you don't have a permanent address. Well, you go from USC up to Cal for uh, five years, I believe. And then, and then you land in Green Bay. You're on Mike Holmgren's uh, staff there. You get there when he gets there, I believe. You got there his first year. Mm-hmm. And that's the one, that's the memory that before mm-hmm. I, I knew you that I had of Mooch. The, my first memory of Mooch was as the quarterback coach in Green Bay with Holmgren. And of course you, you were there with Favre. And I believe that was Favre's first year in Green Bay as well. You guys arrived together, correct? <laughs> All right. You want me to tell you a story about Favre? How well, many hold on, hold, we hold on Mooch. I, before you tell the story about Favre, I need to hear the story about Kurt. When Kurt got there and you gave him no love and he was there for like a, a, a minute and then you just kicked him to the curb. What what did Kurt Warner coming from Northern Iowa and the Barnstormers look like when he was there in Green Bay? Come from anywhere. He came from the street. He wasn't. I mean, he he wasn't getting any love from anybody, right? Right. He only played one year at Northern Iowa. Hell, he played his fifth year. That's it. I know. I so know. he's not a combine guy. He's not a he's not on anybody's radar. He was like he was like nowhere, right? So we brought Kurt Warner in for a camp arm. And when you go to training camp, you've got your guys that get the reps with, you know, the, the team. And then you get some, some guy that's just a young hopeful that you send over there to the receivers. I'd send him down to Gruden, he had co- coaching receivers, and he would throw routes, you know, with, uh, with the receivers. Right. And, 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 you know, so he really didn't have much of an opportunity to make team. We had, we had Brett. Ty, and Ty Dittmer and Mark Brunell, we were, and they're all young guys. They're all very young. We're just going to keep them. And so um, there was really no chance for Kurt to make the team, but Kurt didn't make the team. He cut himself. He always says, Moose, you cut me. I go, you cut yourself. You know why you cut yourself? Because I told you to go in there one time and you turned it down. You said, no, I'm not, I'm not going in there. I don't know these plays. And so I said, you cut yourself, man. But Kurt was just a guy, um, it's such an awesome story. He's going to have a movie, right? Yeah. About a movie and you're going to fight. Probably going to make me into the bad guy. Ron Wolf cut him, not me. Anyway. Um, you're going to have, you're, there's going to be a mooch in that movie, isn't there? There better be. Who's going to play me? Who do you think's going to play me? Like Tom, Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise, mooch. Or uh, huh? Robert De Niro. No, I was a young guy then. Um, so yeah, he's going to probably going to make it out like I cut him. But he, uh, he wasn't giving much opportunity. He didn't have the confidence yet right. that, that he had later on in his career. Now he's got too much confidence. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we love, I love it. Yeah, but it's quite a story. Talk about rags to riches, huh? It, it is pretty awesome. And we had, we had Kurt on the, uh, we had Kurt on the podcast um, a, a couple of months ago, went to his house and, uh, and he was great. And I, I can't wait to see the movie. I'm, I'm going to yeah, be the first no, ones in. It's, it's, a, it's, it's the greatest story ever told, man. It's going to be really something. Yeah. Because he comes out and he's not even starting. And, and uh, Trent Green gets hurt. And all of a sudden, Kurt Warner takes him to the Super Bowl, wins the MVP. And it's like, where did he come from? Right? Unbelievable. The yeah. ultimate underdog. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. So I, I, did, I cut you off when you were saying, all right, let me tell you about Favre. You're, you get to Green Bay, Favre gets there, he comes over from the Falcons, he, he, it didn't work out there, they get rid of him, they ship him up to Green Bay, and here you have this gunslinger from Southern Miss, and you have to turn him into a quarterback, an NFL-caliber quarterback. He showed up about 249 pounds, just kind of country bumpkin, and just kind of, a, you know, he was, he was redshirting at the Atlanta Falcons, didn't play, I'm sorry, he threw five five passes and tour pick and so he was just he he would have fun with billy joe hobart they were the, they were the backup quarterbacks over there in a run and shoot offense for jerry glanville and um it just it, ron wolf had scouted him the year before right i was in college i didn't know who brett Favre was i was coaching at cal what do i i'm not looking at southern miss and so uh ron liked him so he, he, he said, here, look at this guy, Favre. I go, okay. So I looked at him. He said, what do you think? I said, well, he's got a strong arm and he's 
crazy. I mean, when he he would he passed out. He hyperventilated one time at, at at Southern Miss when he threw a touchdown pass. He was celebrating so hard. He he passed out and he found him underneath the bench. I mean, the guy is just like great, right? <laughs> so, but anyway, so long story short, Ron Wolf trades for Brett Favre. All right, trades for him, gives away a number one pick. All right, our our our, our one for that year. Okay, fine. This guy better be good. We had Don Mikowski, Magic Man, who was pretty good. Pretty good for the West Coast offense. Very athletic. I think he was like a seven-foot high jumper. Anyway, <clears throat> I, didn't met, I didn't meet Brett when he came in to sign his contract. Okay? Didn't meet him because I was home in California and going to come back. So having not met him, knowing we just traded for him, okay, I get a phone call. I'm back home in California. I get a phone call. Uh, is Coach Marucci there? I go, this is he. Who's this? This is Brett. Brett who? Brett Favre. Oh, Brett, how you doing, man? Nice to talk to you. Because uh, I, I had never spoken to him yet, okay? This is our first conversation, Helly. Wow. He goes, uh, <clears throat> I go, what's up? He goes, well, I only get one phone call. Uh oh (laughs) he says I only get one phone call and uh thought I'd call you I go what are you talking about he said he said well I'm in jail right now (laughs) he said I'm in jail and uh it's not it's okay everything's gonna be fine I go what I go why didn't you call Ron Wolf well, he'd kill me. I go, why didn't you call Mike Holmgren? Well, he'd really kill me. So you're calling me. I don't even know you. He goes, I know, but but listen, I got to call somebody and I'm calling you. I said, what happened? Okay, what happened? He says, well, me and my brothers and sisters and some friends were shooting pool at a place and and these other guys, somebody bumped into my sister and this and that, and pushing and shoving. And pretty soon, pretty soon something broke out and they called the cops and they, they brought us all in. We're all in here, a whole bunch. And I go, okay, great. Good start, man. And he goes, no, I, I said, he says, ah, we're going to get out of here in an hour, but I just, I better call somebody just to let you know in case it gets out. He just traded, we just traded the number one pick for a guy and now he's in jail. Oh my God. I said, okay. Okay. All right. He says, now, can you keep this between us? I said, what? I, I got to tell Ron Wolf or Mike Holmgren, don't I? Cause this is going to get out. He goes, no, it's not going to get out. He says, he says, we're all kind of clumped in here together. And he says, just please don't tell them. And I said, okay, listen to me. If you never get in trouble again, cause you're, we're going to be joined at the hip. I mean, we're going to be like close. If you promise me you're never going to get in trouble again, this stuff's never going to happen. I will, I will, I'll keep it between you and I. And he says, okay, good. Thanks, man. Thanks. I love you, man. And all that. So I never told Ron Wolf and Mike Holmgren. Okay. So I'm, I'm telling you, that's how our relationship started. Helly, Brett Favre and I, he knew, he knew that I had his back. And he had my back and we were kind of joined at the hip right off that. We had our little secret. Okay. It was really nothing, but he had one phone call from jail and he called me and I was able to keep it quiet through my coaching career over there at, at the green Bay Packers. And that's how we started our relationship. If you can imagine that. That's an incredible story. I don't know how I've never heard that story before. I never told you before. I never told anybody. I, I told it a couple times. I, I, in fact, I asked Brett, you mind if I tell a story? Cause this is a laugher and he goes, okay, fine. Tell it. Cause he, yeah, he, he's never gotten trouble. He was not a troublemaker. He was just, he, he just liked to have a good time and have a beer. You know, he's a regular guy. That's why I love him so much. That's why everybody loves him. Well, and it, and it wasn't just Favre, but that was an incredible staff that you were on there. Wasn't it? Some of your, yeah, some of your best yeah, friends. We had a bunch of young guys. Yeah. A bunch of young guys that were just trying to figure it out. Andy Reid and I, uh, John Gruden, of course, Dick Jerron became a head coach. Ray Rhodes became a head coach. Marty Morningwig came in and replaced John Gruden. And then he became a head coach. Mike Sherman eventually came in. And so, but here's what happens, Haley. I'm just telling you, when you have good players, and of course we brought in Reggie White the second year, 
when you have good players and you win games, it makes the coaches look better, right? Sure. You think I'd have been a head coach if we didn't have Brett Favre there? You know, I, you know, I probably would have been, I don't know what I've been, you know, but when you win, you, you know, you get tied to these guys and say, Hey, yeah, well, they're successful. Well, your players make you successful. Well, you, so you, you leave there and you spend one year as a head coach at Cal. That's your first, that's your first head coaching job. So you go back to college and Cal was coming off a couple of down years. You led them to the Aloha bowl. You finished six and six. And then all of a sudden you're, you're this hot head coaching candidate and you, you go from Cal uh, just down the road to the San Francisco 49ers. And was that, I saw that you were up for a couple of jobs or was that, was that just the no brainer because they had Steve Young and Jerry Rice and T.O. and all those guys were, did you have a decision to make or was that the obvious one? The, uh, the Niners um, initially asked if I would come in as the uh, offensive coordinator with George Seifert. I interviewed for him with him uh, before that, and I didn't get hired. Mike Shanahan got hired. Right. Well, um, so I, George knew me and, and this and that. And, and um, so the first contact was, all right, coach, I know you're coaching the head coach at Cal, but would you come over as the offensive coordinator, head coach in waiting? And uh, when George, you know, finishes his contract, take it over. And I, I, I was thrilled and honored that they reached out to me to say that, but and given it some thought, I said, I, I can't leave the University of California for an assistant coaching job in the National Football League. I can't do that. I just got here a year, a year ago. And I love Cal. I, I had been assistant coach there for five years prior to the Green Bay job. And so I was back. It was my first head job. It was kind of fun. <clears throat> so a week later, or whatever that was, uh, Carmen Policy, president of the Niners, called me back and said, Coach, we'd like to offer you the head coaching job at the 49ers. I went, what? Okay. Um, yeah, and, uh, and, he, and he said, uh, this, George is going to retire, and uh, the job is, is now yours if you'd like it. And I, after I fell out of my chair, I said, oh, I mean, I got to talk about this now. You know, it wasn't my plan. It wasn't uh, sought after or anything. It was just, uh, they just kind of, they wanted me to be their coach. And so, um, so George did retire and, um, and then, uh, I looked at it and I called up Bill Walsh. I remember calling up Bill and say, Bill, whew. I said, should I do this? He goes, yeah, you should do this. And I said, I just got here at Cal. He goes, I know. He said, that's how it goes sometimes, but you should do this and we'll, we'll help you along. And, and, uh, so there you go. Time for a quick break to tell you about a couple of our sponsors. The first is Greens Plus, a leader since 1989, known for creating the first ever blended green superfood powder and the first company to infuse that green superfood powder into a bar. Greens Plus bars and powders are the best tasting, most effective way to improve your immunity, detox your body, boost your energy, and get that nutritional insurance that your body needs from organic, gluten-free, premium green superfoods. You can get it at Whole Foods, Amazon, or greensplus.com. We're going to give you free shipping and 20% off today if you use the promo code HELI. That's greensplus.com. Also wanted to tell you about VACO. That's V-A-C-O. At VACO, they invest in your career, so you are here for the duration of theirs. VACO is a premier talent and solutions firm that provides boutique-level service with global reach in the areas of consulting, consultative project resources, executive search, permanent placement, and strategic staffing. Areas of expertise include C-suite search, accounting, finance, technology, healthcare IT, operations, administration, and international managed services. Founded by my good buddy, Brian Waller, and a couple of his friends. In 2002, Vaco has grown to serve over 40 markets across the globe. They have 1,000 employees, 5,000 consultants, and $750 million in revenue. Check them out at vaco.com. That's V-A-C-O.com for more info 
on how Vaco connects people to their dream jobs and helps leading companies find talent to grow their businesses. So you, you go to San Francisco, you replace George Seifert. <clears throat> it's your first NFL head coaching job. And you, you step into a team that has Steve Young at quarterback, Jerry Rice and T.O. You go 13 and three your first year and you lose in the NFC championship game to, to Green Bay, ironically. Um, and then you, you win 12 games your second year and T.O. and like Jerry Rice went over a thousand yards at 36. T.O.'s starting to come into his own. Garrison Hurst, I had forgotten what a great couple of years Garrison Hurst had. Had over 1,500 yards on the ground. You had some absolute studs on the offensive side, on both sides of the ball, really. We did. And again, I was lucky to, to join a team that was a veteran team that knew how to win, okay? It wasn't like, it wasn't like going to Detroit and teaching these guys how to practice hard. I mean, you, you go to go to San Francisco and these guys, Jerry Rice would catch a hitch route and he would run 65 yards to the end zone, like every single time. And if he does it, everybody does it, right? I mean, it's like these guys were pros. They had won. They were great workers, the whole thing. The, the thing, the unfortunate thing is my first great game – at Tampa against Tony Dungy's team, Warren Sapp, remember him? <laughs> so Sapp, Sapp hits Steve Young, boom, concussion, he's out. A few plays later, I run a reverse to Jerry Rice. He got 10 rushing touchdowns in his career. I run a reverse to him. Sapp gets him, blows Jerry Rice's knee out. So I'm sitting there coaching my first game. I'm going, oh, boy. Steve wow. Young's out. Jerry Rice is out. Uh we had Kevin Green on that team, Hall of Famer. He got hurt. He's out. It's like, oh, my God, I'm going to go back to Cal and start sell tie-dye shirts <laughs> on Congress <laughs> Avenue, you know, figure this out. And so um, we lost that game. Um, you know, whew, what an eye-opener. But then we won the next 11 games, and Jerry missed the whole season. You know, Steve eventually came back. Right. missed some time with the concussion, but <clears> – <throat> um, we ended up, I mean, those guys were great and we won 11 in a row. Um, but Jerry, he only came back for one game at the end against uh, uh, the Denver Broncos and he got hurt against Steve Atwater, blew him up after a touchdown catch uh, week 15 uh, on Monday night football. So it was a, it was a awesome start, but it was really kind of crazy that the two superstars got hurt in the first half in that game. Whoa. What you, you had, those first two years, I mean, I don't think you stepped into that situation and said, wow, especially after that. I didn't I didn't know that story about those guys getting hurt in the first game and saying, oh, wow, this is going to be easy. But then you really had to make a transition. That third year, Steve's gone, right? <clears throat> Steve had retired because of the concussions, I believe. And or maybe he maybe he got hurt. He had you no, know, you got three starts from Steve Young, and then Garcia takes over, and you guys win four games. And it was the first time as a head coach where you went through that. Yeah. Um, because the, the team started coming apart after my first season in 97, you know, we won 14 games, but you said we got beat by the Packers who had won the Super Bowl um, the year before. And we, we lost a bunch of players because of salary cap. Right. And then the next year we won, you know, we won 12 games and then, then we beat Green Bay in the playoffs with T.O.'s catch. Remember that one on the last play of the game? Of course. So, and it, but we were coming apart a little bit because of our salary cap situation. So by the third year, we if, if we don't have, you know, Steve Young playing great or and Jerry playing great, then it's going to be hard to win a lot of games because we were we lost a lot of those defensive players. Um, and when Steve got hurt on Monday Night Football against Arizona Cardinals, he got sacked and boom, concussion. And that was really it for him. Um, it wasn't just Jeff Garcia immediately. It was Steve Stenstrom and Jeff Garcia and who's Jeff Garcia had no pro experience. He played in Canada. He's another guy from Gilroy. He played at San Jose state and then he went to Canada and it ended up having to, you know, make a name for himself there, but he wasn't proven yet. He wasn't the guy just yet. He had to earn it. We went back and forth trying to figure out who's going to be our quarterback. And eventually he won the job and eventually made pro bowls. I mean, he played three pro bowls, as a niner and then he then he went off and made another one 
tough guy, man. But um, there was a transition period for a couple of years when we had to go without a lot of good players because of our salary cap and find a new quarterback. Garrison Hurst was hurt too. Um, he's one of my all-time favorite guys of the whole world. Um, but he, and eventually then we got going again and, and uh, made the playoffs again a couple of years and, and we're back with Jeff Garcia. But it was a little bit of a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. You, you 12 wins in year five there. And then, and then year six and you guys win the division, you win a wild card game and then you're out. What happened? Well, then then uh, we got beaten the second round of playoffs and Mooch got fired. Yeah. What happened? They wanted somebody else. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's so, it's always so bizarre to me when somebody gets fired after a, a you know, you, I hearken back to Jim Caldwell in Detroit, right. Or, you know, you in San Francisco after a nine, 10 win season, you make the playoffs just, personality conflicts there so so i mean you got to understand the dynamics and it's not much different and i luckily i i coached half of my career in college and half in the pros and then the other half and as an analyst three halves okay and so um <laughs> you learn that athletic directors like to have their own coach they want to hire a guy and that guy is is uh you know kind of loyal to him uh, same with owners or general managers. They like to hire their own guy. Um, so I was hired by Eddie DeBartolo, Hall of Fame owner. Awesome, awesome. Um, not just owner, but human being and, and generous man. And anyway, don't get me started on Eddie DeBartolo. I could talk all day. He's fabulous. And Carmen Policy. So they hired me. Well, Eddie was gone after a year and Carmen left and he went to the Cleveland Browns to become part owner and president of that, of that organization. So, and then Dwight Clark left me too. <laughs> he went with Cleveland. So I was, I was, I was kind of like the new kid on the block, but the people that hired me were gone. Right. And so, so, you know, John York and Denise took over ownership unexpectedly. And then, uh, Brought in Terry Donahue to come in and help learn how to be a general manager under Bill Walsh for a couple of years. And so I was not their guy. You know what I mean? I, I, right. I, think, I, think, I think they eventually wanted to have their own guy. And they have that prerogative. That's, that's life in athletics. And so I, I, I didn't like it. I wanted to be there. I had kids in school. I have four kids. They're all in school and they want to finish high school and everything. Well, that's not, it wasn't in the cards. So I ended up uh, getting let go after Tampa beat us and uh, went to Detroit. Did you have other offers on the table when you went to Detroit? Cause I remember yeah. that was a, that was the biggest contract for a coach in, in NFL history when you went there. Yes, I did. You did. And, and um, I went to Detroit <clears throat> for a lot of reasons. It's my home state, Dan. I mean, I had family back there. Um, they had not won since the fifties, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a lot of money. Um, I have a lot of friends and teammates and classmates, you name it. There was a certain connection there and familiarity with the state. Um, it was a tough job. It, it still is a tough job. Um, they're in a tough division. Um, but I, I don't have any regrets. I gave it my best shot and it, we didn't get it done. And so um, I had other options to go to different teams, but I uh, chose Detroit for those reasons. It's funny. I was reading some stuff about your time there. And obviously you guys picked wide receivers in the first round every year. <laughs> and um, you, you, Joey Harrington was there before you got there. And uh, there was one article I was reading that uh, Harrington was talking about a couple of Dre Bly famously blamed him for, for you getting fired. And he said, by the end of his stay there, uh, there was only one player and the cafeteria chef that, that were on his side uh, after you ended up leaving there. And so you, you leave Detroit and you right away, right away, you're only 50 years old, by the way. I, I mean, I'm 45 now. So this is five years down the road in, in my life. You've had nine years as an NFL head coach. You know, a ton of people around the league. You could have hopped on, you know, a dozen different staffs, I'm sure at a high level position. Um, you jump into TV and obviously your personality makes you a natural on television. People love working with you. They love being interviewed by you, but one would assume that you had numerous opportunities to jump back into coaching 
over the years, but you never did. Why not? I had some, yeah, um, in college and in, in the NFL. Um, I was worn out then. I, I was, I was, that was a tough experience over there in Detroit. And, and I, I, so I'm sitting at home. Helly, I didn't leave my house for three weeks, okay? I, I got right? fired. I got fired after Thanksgiving day game. I had 25 people at my home. My entire family was there for the weekend. And, oh. and uh, that was hard on everybody, man. I mean, it was, it was, I had kids in high schools there. And, and uh, anyway, <clears throat> I was, uh, you know, when you, when you get fired, you know, you know, we, that's why I black Monday. Is that what we call it? The last after yep. the last weekend, they always want me to go on TV and talk about these guys that are getting fired. And who do you think's in line for that job? I don't care who's in line for that job. I'm, I'm still feeling bad for those 23 coaches and their families that have to move right now because whatever the reasons. And so, so I, I, I have a soft spot for, for all those coaches. Um, and, and so I just, I mean, I didn't leave the house for three weeks. When I went out of the house first, I went to, I had to get out. I had to get out of the house. You know, it was like, I don't know what it was like. And I went to Costco and I was starting to walk up and down the aisles and I was eating those little hot dogs on the toothpicks just to, just to get out of the house. And people were looking at me like, there he is. There's the coach. I got fired. You're an idiot. You know what I mean? And then I had to figure I better buy something. They're going to think I'm shoplifting. So I bought some white socks. I don't need white socks. <laughs> and so I had, anyway, so Eric, so Eric Weinberger, right. He was, he was sure. the boss over here at the NFL network. He calls me, he goes, Mooch, what are you doing? I go, I'm not doing anything. What are you doing? He goes, why don't you work with us during the Super Bowl?" I go, what? He goes, why don't you just, yeah, come on the air with us. Um, I go, the Super Bowl's in Detroit. It's right here. I haven't even left my house yet. <laughs> so anyway, I go, I got to think about this. You mean I got to go back into that stadium? I, I can't go back in that stadium. He goes, you got to do this, man. You got to, you got to snap out of it. And, and he convinced me to work the Super Bowl. So I worked a couple of days prior to the Super Bowl, you know, the little shows, you sure, know, yeah. interviewing Jerry Kramer and some of these guys over there. And, and so I worked, my first Super Bowl was uh, with Rich Eisen and me. We had Ray Lewis on, Rod Woodson, uh, TD, Terrell Davis. We were all kind of doing the Super Bowl from Ford Field. And, and it kind of got me out of the house. And it kind of got me back on track a little bit um, because I was in a, I was in a bad spot, man. I was in a dark spot. And so um, that's, and I said, you know what? And then they go, Hey, listen, if you take a coaching job, well, that's fine. Uh, but if you don't, why don't you come and work the combine with us? Why don't you come and do some of these draft shows? You know, these kids. And, and I go, okay, I'm probably not going to take another coaching job right now. And so I, I worked the combine, you know, all of a sudden it was like, oh, that was kind of fun, you know, and, and that's what started it all. And, and even though I had, you know, some different offers for the next few years to go back into coaching, um, I started enjoying television. Um, I didn't, I haven't been booed in 16 years, Helly, that I know of. All right. <laughs> you don't wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, trying to figure out what you're going to say to the media and your team after you lose three in a row. I mean, you know, you know what I mean? It's uh, coaching is a privilege and an honor and it's spectacular, but it's, it's not an easy job. And so I was really having fun at the NFL network, 16 years. I'm still having fun at the NFL network. Well, and your stress level has dropped from a, from a 10 to a two. I mean, you know what? So I took a physical, I took a physical, you know, after I got out of the house uh, in Detroit and, and uh, bad, bad. I mean, coaching wears you out from, wears out your body, your brain, your confidence, your everything, especially on a bad year, the good years, you know, when you're winning 13 games, I mean, you think you're, you think you got all the answers, but when you lose, you, you, you start to doubt yourself. I mean, you start wrestling with, Am I, have I lost my fastball? I mean, did I, did I forget how to coach? I mean, maybe I'm not cut out for this. You get some weird thoughts, you know? And so um, it took me several months to get back to normal physically. When you, when you do blood tests and, and EKGs and everything, it just wears your body down. It's, it's pretty interesting. 
you just doing some research for this interview, Mooch, there were a lot of different uh, jobs that your name was thrown around for UCLA and USC and Washington after uh, Joe Gibbs retired the second time. Were there any that really piqued your interest and you thought you might go back for? Yeah, the, the Washington Redskins at the time uh, met with Dan Snyder and um, he wanted to hire me and he had most of his coaches hired already, both sides of the ball, who I knew, many I knew very well, some I coached with before. And, and, um, and so we were, we were talking seriously about doing this. And it was during when I was working with the NFL Network and Rich Eisen, you know, he sits right next to me all the time. I don't know why I'm sitting right next to Rich, but he's, he's like, all right, Mooch. You got to tell us what's going on with Washington. And, oh God, I asked you not to talk about this. And so, <laughs> and I said, well, I, yeah, I spoke to Dan. I mean, you know, I, I try to skirt the question, right? Um, it can't, I'll tell you what it came down to. Um, we had moved, we had planned on moving back to California. You know, that's kind of where my kids grew up with all the jobs I had out here. And, and it would have required another move. Remember, I told you I moved my wife 18 times. Okay, this would have been 19. And, and, um, and I said, well, what, what I would plan on doing, Dan, is, is, you know, going there myself, kind of like Tony Dungy did when he, he kept his family pretty much in Florida when he coached the Colts in Indianapolis. Okay, they right. kind of did the commuter thing. And sometimes people try to do that. So I was going to consider trying to do that with Washington. And, and he, he said, gosh, I, I really want you out here with your family, a, because you'd be a better coach and, you know, better, you know, just better overall with your family with you, then, then we really want you to dig into this community. And I, and I, and I said, I understand that. Um, and my, my wife and family didn't really want to move over there. And they really kind of said, you know, hmm, I, I sensed that there was some like, ah, we don't want to do this again. So I, I, I tapped out and we parted ways and I uh, said, this is just not going to work. Um, so what, what happens, Dan, is you, when you're climbing the ladder, you're trying to, you're going to be a GA and then you're going to be a assistant coach in a small school and you move up to a bigger school, you make professional decisions. You know, I, I'm trying to, in, prove my resume. I'm trying to have more responsibility. I'm trying to make more money, whatever. When you, when you're old, not older, but when you have a family, when you have kids that are in school, when you move a kid that's four, six, eight years old, they make friends before the moving truck parks. Okay. <laughs> they are like in the neighborhood. They're out right. they there. They got a new school, they got new friends and a new, new bike. And you know, when they're in high school, it's traumatic. And so, so my kids were older at the time, you know, I, I, one kid's going to be going to college, two are in high school, one's going to be choosing a high school. It's like they have friends and a routine in a, in a, a certain world that they like right now. I'm going to uproot that and move them to some foreign land that, that they don't want to do it. So you make family decisions. You don't make those professional decisions like you do when you're, you have a young family, when you have an older family that are really dug in with girlfriends or guy friends or sports or whatever that is, you, I hesitated to, to uproot that. And so those family decisions kept me home. And, and when jobs came up, I would have a family vote. All right, boom, here's, here's what's happening, guys. I got a chance to go to so-and-so, let's vote. It would be no, 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 no. Right. Hey, okay, I guess we're not going. And so that's that's how it was. And so you have been at the NFL Network ever since. Um, yeah. You're a, a staple on um, the Sunday morning show with Rich. You've been there from the beginning with Rich. I've also mm -hmm. had the opportunity to call some football games with you. And the, oh, God. Uh, the short-lived uh, uh, AAF uh, the seven week run that, that, that they had, and you've called some games too, some, some NFL games with, with rich and that, you know, 100 man booth, um, that you guys have put hey, on for a couple of games. Yeah. yeah now we're going to try, now we're going to try to go to other countries, going to Germany. We're going to go to South America. <laughs> we're going to do some NFL network, some international, really international, but Ellie, I know you're going to bring, 
I know you're going to bring up one comment I made on that guy. How do you remember that, that, that backup quarterback? Yeah. Yeah. It was something about, this is the first action that he's seen in a long time. <laughs> I, I think. I okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. To all 4 million of your viewers. Okay. Here's, here's the kid was the backup quarterback. Okay. And he got married. Right. And then I think they had a bye week or something. I don't know. He got married and now he's back playing. And so he didn't start, but he came into the game and I said, here's so-and-so. This is the first action he's had since he got married. And you said, <laughs> what'd you say? <laughs> oh, I, I can't remember what I said, but that was television. That you, I was shook. I mean, there was a solid two seconds when I didn't know what to say. And I, I, I think I, I said something like, certainly, I, I hope not. And then after the fact, I, there were so many things running through my head that I wanted to say that would have been so much more witty, but weren't on the tip of my tongue. I was so, I was so mad at myself for not having something better. Yeah, but you know the things that go through your mind, Mooch. You, you want to say these super funny things, but then you're like, you think about the ramifications of what you might say and how that's going to come across. So anyway, all oh, that was that going was through my good. head. That, was, that was an amazing moment, though. I love doing games with you because you're half crazy, you know. That was that yeah. that was an amazing moment. Where do you what do you enjoy the most? Do you enjoy the studio stuff, or or do you enjoy the games more? I, I mean, I've only done what a seven eight games. I don't know, you know. Yeah. Um, and 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 I don't have I don't have a great feel for the games yet because I don't have any continuity really. I've had, I've had with Rich and the guys four in a booth. That's right. crazy. That's I've tough. been with you. I've been with Kurt Menefee. I've been with uh, Andrew Siciliano. So, you know what I mean? When, every time you have a new team up there or a new two guy or three man booth, right. the, the chemistry changes each time. Right. So it would be fun to, 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 to get a rhythm with somebody that, that you can just play off of each time and really, you know, have a, have a good chemistry and rhythm. But um, I liked it. The, the booth was great. Obviously, I've done the studio shows a heck of a lot more, and we right. have a certain continuity with that, too. I enjoy it. I, I enjoy television. They pay us to talk about football. Come on. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the greatest job in the world. It's the, And I always say, too, for athletes and for coaches, there's no there's no better job because the stress level drops off dramatically because you still have that when, when you can go into the studio, it's been a little different this past year, but the kind of locker room atmosphere, you get to hang out with the guys, you're part of a team. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's unrivaled. I mean, you, you, you said it, you're part of a team. And I, I've told our guys over at the net where the powers that be, uh, I, I've, I've always said, you guys have put together a good team um, because there's, there's people from every walk of life and right. it's just a good variety of personalities that, that get along. I mean, so I, I was in, impressed as how they put this team together. We're going to be moving into that new studio over there right across from SoFi Stadium yeah. in August. And I can't wait for that. I've not seen it at all. Have you? Uh, I, I've, I've flown over it. I have not been in it, but it looks pretty amazing. And I, yeah. all the renditions and the, the tunnel going underground of the stadium is going to be absolutely There's amazing. You know, speaking of, speaking of teams, Mooch, um, Michigan State – is uh, is coached by your best friend Tom Izzo. How how much longer can can he can he keep going? He's had such an unbelievable run <clears> there. And and a two part question: How much longer do you think he goes? And do you get more nervous watching <clears throat> his teams play, or did you get more nervous like when you watched your kids' games? Ooh, um, I get I get a little nutso when I'm watching Michigan State basketball, and I don't yeah. know why. My wife yells at me. She leaves the room because I, I just, I don't know what the deal is. He's been, he's been there a long time. He started off, you know, sleeping on somebody's couch, making $6,000 a year when he took that job. Cause that's what you have to do sometimes to get these jobs. And he's got 23 seasons in a row in the tournament. That's the longest active coach there is 23 seasons in a row in the tournament. And he's, so we had a deal. We had a deal when we were coaching, when we started coaching together, not together, but after we got done playing in college. <clears throat> if, if, if I, if I went to a Super Bowl with my team, I would take him. And if he went to the final four with his team, he would take me. Well, I owe him eight. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the hole a little bit. Huh? 
You're yeah. in the hole. You owe him. He's been to eight Final Fours, and I'm right there sitting on the bus with him. I'm in practice. I'm in the meetings. We're eating pizza. We're working all night because when you play, when you play Saturday, Monday, you work all night to you know get ready for the finals. It's just awesome, and um, and so uh, yeah, I can get get back into it. You never know, and take him to a Super Bowl. You don't know, Ellie. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I love that. Well, I I loved when you know you guys were just you're like kids, man. You because you guys were kids together growing up. And hang on a minute. Hang yep. on a minute. Hang on a minute. So, all right. So, there you go. So, that's on my wall. You know who that quarterback is? Yeah. That's you. Yeah. You know that guy blocking nobody? That's Izzo. <laughs> that's okay. So, <laughs> so, here's another one. For our for our viewers, it's a, it's an old picture of, of Izzo and Mooch together on the football field. Oh, here's another one. Here's another one. So I'm shooting a free throw, and he's standing behind me, hoping I make it. And we were, we were the captains of the football and basketball and track. And don't make me pull off the picture I went on the relay team. We still have the mile relay record for that's impossible. Forty six years, man. Yeah, we still have it for our high school. So anyway, that's that. Mooch was an athlete. Well, I, I can't. So cool to be able to share that with your, you know, your best friend from childhood. What an amazing career both of you guys have had. And this is my, this is my one getaway question for you, Mooch. You've been mm -hmm. so generous with your time. I appreciate it. You have been incredibly blessed to have coached so many great players. And I'm looking at this list, right? You mentioned, you know, Eric Dickerson from your time, you know, as a quality control coach with the Rams. So I need to throw him on this list too. But in terms of Hall of Famers, these are who I could track down. Tony Gonzalez, Favre. Steve Young, Jerry Rice, Kevin Green, Rod Woodson, Chris Dolman, Charles Haley, T.O. All right. Hey, yeah. Um, Kevin Green, did you mention? Yeah, got Kevin Green on there. Because uh, I thought there were nine. I didn't have all of them very long. I mean, I was on the staff when Reggie White was there. I didn't coach him. Right. Um, but that's one. That's that's I think that's the only one I left off. But let me ask you this. Out of all the guys you've coached, and I'm not talking greatest player, I'm talking pure athlete, okay? Like like decathlon style athlete. Like you got to do everything. Who who are you? Who are you picking as your decathlon athlete? Gosh, I don't know. Steve Young was a pretty good athlete. Jerry Rice was a pretty darn good athlete. Um, Those know, are two pretty good ones. Yeah, and and so you know, of course, in football, there's so many positions. Charles yeah. Haley's not a decathlete, you know what I mean? He's not a pole vaulter, right? Uh, but um, Tony Gonzalez was fun to coach over at Cal, and I had Rod Woodson. Did you mention him? Yeah, he, mentioned he Rod. Was there one year, and uh, and and uh, Kevin Green was there just one year. Uh, Charles Haley, you know, <laughs> two games. All right. We, we, so we go in 1998, my second year, and all of our defensive linemen, Chris Dolman, did you mention him? Yep. He was hurting, and, and BY already broke his leg, and we had some guys out. So in the playoffs, you don't have, it's no salary, it's no salary cap ramifications. All you got to do is cut somebody, you can bring the guy in and play him, pay him a playoff share. So I, I, I brought in my dirty dozen, those are my older guys, my, my, mature guys that we would meet every now and then I go, all right, guys, listen, we have a chance to sign Charles Haley. He's been sitting at home for a year or two, but you know what? He's got fresh legs and we're playing the green Bay Packers in the playoff game. Um, and let's vote if you guys want him or not. I said, Dolman, how bad is your arm? He goes, I don't know, coach. I can't really lift him right now. And, and so, so we signed, we voted, we voted to sign Charles Haley for the playoffs. And, and he ended up hitting Favre in that game and caused the interception that Lee Woodall uh, picked off. Um, and then the next game, he had no legs left. But, um, you know, so I, I get credit for Charles Haley. Yeah, thanks. Two games. But um, <laughs> those guys are special in the positions that they play, you know. Right. I mean, there was, no more, there was no more dominating player than a Jerry Rice. There was no more dominating player than a Reggie White. Reggie White – it was a personal friend of mine. When he died, I was coaching the Lions. I was so shook. I couldn't call the plays. I said, uh, Sherm Lewis, Sherm, you got to call the plays. I can't think straight right now. I can't think straight. Um, he would come over to my house with his family, with Sarah, and our kids were the same ages. And uh, we were really close. Um, but he was he was 300 and so he was an edge rusher. You know, we're, we're, we're preparing for the draft. 
You want edge rushers? Here's the draft. You know how big these guys are on the edge right now, nowadays? 265, 272, 43, 240, 257, 262. Reggie was weird on the at lunchtime on the on the bike and on the stairmaster. I go, what do you weigh? He goes, 305. And Sarah wants me down under 300. I mean, and this guy, this guy benched 350 10 times in a row. Okay. I mean, this guy was a freak. And there's nobody like him right now. There's no, there's no edge rusher like a Reggie White with that big and strong and feared. And but gentlemen, oh. Christian guys, you know, and the whole thing. He was just amazing human being and, and, some and of, athlete. Some of the some of the guys you coach. What a career, Mooch. What a career, my friend. And it's still going strong on NFL Network. I, I, I love it, man. Thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for giving me well over an hour. <clears throat> and uh, let's don't be a stranger. Next time you're down here, let's let's yeah. link up. Beer let's time. Do it. Let's do any time. You know that. Let's go do another game together, okay? I'd love to, my friend. I'd love to. Mooch, take care, buddy. Enjoy the uh, the next right, few Alex. weeks getting ready for the draft. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for having me on.